Hey, we've been in a, a series called uh, Home for Christmas, as you know, that pastor's been ministering, and uh, we're going to continue that series today. And uh, in week one, Pastor Sam was talking about how God uses just the ordinary average people, ordinary average stuff. I love, he mentioned uh, Mary, and he called her Mundane Mary, which is just great. Because here's Mary, uh, the mother of the Lord Jesus. Here she is, just unassuming about her business, about her life, being faithful to God. And God chooses someone whose name is never mentioned in Scripture in the Old Testament at all. There's a verse that's back there in Isaiah that talks about how God's going to choose a young virgin, and through that virgin is going to come a child. Uh, but I don't think Mary ever thought that virgin was going to be her until the angels showed up. And there she was thinking, just me? You've chosen just me to use. So God chooses the ordinary. And then last week, Pastor was talking about making room. Making room for Christ in every area of our lives. Letting him into every room in our lives. And this week, we're going to talk about the seed, the promised seed of Christmas. And um, when I talk about the seed of Christmas, you know that the seed of Christmas started way back in the book of Genesis. That the promise of Christmas started way before there was ever the idea of Christmas in the mind of a human being. The promise of God was already there. But God didn't just want to bring the promise of Christmas to pass, which he has, and he continues to do it in our lives on a regular basis. But he also has seed that he wants to birth in you. He's got seed he wants to conceive in you that's going to produce something out of your life. And we're going to talk about that today. We're going to learn again from Mary. But before we do that, let's go to Ephesians chapter 3. And our series verse, the foundation that we've been building on is Ephesians 3, 16 and 17. And it says, I pray that from his glorious unlimited resources... He will empower you with inner strength through his spirit. Then Christ will make his home in your hearts as you trust in him. Your roots will, go, will grow down into God's love and keep you strong. That line, Christ will make his home in your hearts. It's what this series is all about. Jesus wants to make his home in your hearts. As ordinary as we are, as mundane as we are, as unworthy as we are, as much as we want to hide parts of our lives from him, Jesus wants to come and make his home in our hearts. Christ came to make his home in us so that, as pastor says, we could be at home with him. And it all begins there. It all begins there. But God didn't just want to live in us. He wants to work through us. So he doesn't just want to come and reside in your heart as great as that is. He wants to do something great through you as well. He, he wants to use you in ways you never dreamed he would use you. That's what he wants to do. He has a dream for you, bearing the dream that you have for yourself. And I'm going to take a look uh, at Mary and the Christmas term. We're going to kind of see what God has to say about the seed of promise he wants to put in our lives to birth something great through us. So we're going to go to Luke chapter 1, verse 26. Luke 1, verse 26. And it says, Now in the sixth month, the angel Gabriel was sent from God to a city in Galilee named Nazareth, to a virgin betrothed to a man whose name was Joseph, of the descendants of David. And the virgin's name was Mary. 
And coming in, he said to her, greetings, favored one. The Lord is with you. Can you imagine? You're just about your business, and all of a sudden, Gabriel shows up, and that's the greeting he gives you. That must have been a shocking moment for her. But she was very perplexed at this statement and was wondering what kind of greeting this was. And the angel said to her, do not be afraid, Mary, for you have found favor with God. And behold, you will conceive in your womb and give birth to a son, and you shall name him Jesus. He will be great, and he will be called the Son of the Most High. And the Lord God will give him the throne of his father, David. And he will reign over the house of Jacob forever, and his kingdom will have no end. So it's easy for us to kind of read that story and jump into Christmas and kind of get the wrong idea, focus on the wrong kind of stuff. Uh, We tend to make it about Christmas trees and nativity scenes and Hallmark Christmas movies. We haven't watched a single Hallmark Christmas movie this season, have we? Glory to God. (laughs) I'm sorry. I know some of y'all love those Hallmark Christmas movies, but it really is. After Pastor Sam pointed it out, I watched, and sure enough, at you know one hour and 58 minutes, that's when they kiss. And so I could just skip all the rest of it, go to the end. My wife will say, yes, they kissed, and that was it. We haven't watched a single one this year. We love Christmas movies. We'll start watching them, but we, you know, we tend to make Christmas about all of that kind of stuff, as cool and fun as all that stuff is. We make it about that kind of stuff instead of about the stuff that he wants us to make it about. We tend to make it about the presents. Remember you, particularly when you were a kid, remember the best present you got as a kid? It's probably the weirdest thing ever because the, it's like the weird gifts tend to, tend to stand out to me. My greatest gift uh, when I was a little kid, there was a show called The Six Million Dollar Man. Don't say a word if you look at some of you guys. Yeah, Six Million Dollar Man. Steve Austin. Six, he was the bionic man, and he could do anything. And whenever he did uh, something, remember it would make that sound, he would jump and he'd go boop, 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 boop. Yeah. Or he could see, he had like telescopic sight, so he could see it whenever he was looking far away and looking at whatever, and it always had like this little gun scope thing in his eye. I could never figure that one out, but he would look, and if you were asleep on the back row, if you are, you better wake up back there. God will give me Steve Austin eye right now. He would look back there, and and he could see what I got when I was like, First or second grade, I got the Bionic Man, the $6 million man action figure because guys don't play with dolls. So I had the $6 million man action figure and he had that telescope eye. So you put that eye up to yours and you'd make the, and I loved that gift. It was great. It was, I probably got bigger and better and greater gifts later, but that gift stands out to me as one of the best, one of the best of my wife's favorite gift. She asked forever for this gift for her mom, from her mom's mom. I really want this. And my mother-in-law kept saying, I'm sorry, honey. We just can't afford to buy you this gift. So my wife is one of seven. So there's a lot of kids to be buying gifts for, you know. And uh, so Teresa's like, hey, we just cannot get this gift for you. But on Christmas Day, she opened up her Easy Bake Oven. <laughs> Come on. How many of you women, y'all, y'all wanted... Okay, if you're a dude and you wanted an easy bake oven, that's okay too. You know, but that was, and there's a picture I have of her. You've never seen such a big smile. She's holding that easy bake oven. 
you remember those great gifts. Those are really cool gifts. My son and I were talking about Christmas and how he's like, why do you think Christmas feels different when you're older as opposed to when you're a kid? And he was kind of thinking maybe it had to do with, you know, when you're a kid, everybody else is making Christmas happen for you. You don't have any responsibilities. You just get everything coming your way. You know, school does all the parties. Uh, there's all the food. There's all the presents. Everything is done for you. You just get to experience it when you're an adult. You're making the experiences happen and so forth. And, and I think there's a good deal of truth to that. I also think that when we really get to be older, we realize that some of the greatest gifts aren't the things that we unwrap under the tree. They're the relationships that we have with people. I can tell you my favorite parts of Christmas stuff is I, we'll give each other gifts and so forth, but it's all the kids sitting around the table. It's all of those kind of things, you know, going on when you get to, to visit with people and have those relations. Those are the most meaningful things, I think. But we make Christmas about other things and forget that Jesus has certain things that he wants to emphasize in our lives too. Christmas is about the birth of Christ, but it's about more than the birth of Christ. It's about Jesus bringing redemption. It's about Jesus bringing salvation to us. It's about Jesus having a dream for my life and for your life. It's about stuff he wants to do in us and through us. God's ultimate goal is about reconciling us to himself. I mean, that's what Christmas is all about. Jesus is born in, in, a, in a manger so that he can reconcile the world to himself. The ultimate, the ultimate dream that he has for you is to make his home in you because he wants, to, he wants to eradicate the separation that exists between God and humanity. His plan is to redeem us and that redemption started with a seed, but it wasn't the seed that Gabriel talked about when he comes into the room and says, Mary, you're going to conceive. It was a seed that started back in the garden when humanity first fell. It's in Genesis chapter 3, the very first Christmas promise. Genesis 3.15, I will put enmity between you and the woman and between your seed and her seed. He shall bruise your head and you shall bruise his heel. That seed in Genesis 3.15 is not me and you. That seed is Jesus. That's, that's God showing up in the garden saying to the serpent, yeah, you've won for the moment and you've caused humanity to fall and so forth, but there's a promise that I have that there is a seed that's coming and there's going to be fruit that is born down the road. And it took a long time for that seed to actually come to the point of fruition where Gabriel shows up and Mary eventually gives birth to Jesus. The seed of the promise began as soon as humanity became separated from God but still bearing fruit, even now, as people come to know him. That God is going to birth something in you today, too. I really believe that. And I was, woke up this morning, and the first thought that hit my head, as we talk about the seed that God wants to conceive in your heart, the thing he wants to birth through you, the first thing that hit my mind was people who've been waiting for promises to come to pass, and they haven't come to pass. People who are sitting in this room, maybe you're watching online, and you thought, God said something to me. He gave me a promise. I've been waiting for this thing to happen. It could be something you're called to do. It could be something you're called to start. It could be, it could be someone you're waiting to come to Christ. It could be a child. It could be a relative. Whatever it may be, you felt like God gave you a promise, and you've waited and waited and waited, and it hasn't come to pass. And you've given up on that promise, and you're like, yeah, I'm just done. I'm just, I'm over. And some of you have walked away from living your faith because the promise hadn't come to pass yet. You had the promise, but you haven't given birth to what you were promised. 
And you thought, I'm just going to walk away from it. I'm, not, I'm half-hearted in this at best. I'm not going to do that anymore. There are pe- people maybe watching online. You're not in church to this day. You just happen to come to this, to this site because you're like, ah, I'm just done with it. I'll tune in for a Christmas service, but I've waited and it just didn't happen. I really believe the Holy Spirit wants to speak to you today and resurrect something of the seed of promise in your life that you've waited to come to pass. And even if it doesn't come to pass today, that you wait and expect with anticipation because he will bring to pass what he said he will bring to pass. He will do it. I've sat right there on that front row and there've been things that God has spoken directly to me as clear as a bell. Some of them have come to pass. And some of them, my wife and I are still waiting to come to pass. He will bring his promise to come to pass. What he has spoken to you and promised to you, he will bring it to pass. There are also others, when Pastor even on week one was talking about mundane Mary and average people, there's some of us in this room that think God really can't do anything through me. Okay, he wants to come live in my heart. He wants to be in me, but he really can't do anything through me because I'm really just too average, too ordinary. I really don't have anything to to add, don't have anything to offer that is so far from true. God wants to conceive a promise in you and he wants to birth something through you beyond anything you could ever imagine or think. That's why the scripture says that he is able to do exceedingly abundantly beyond anything you could ever imagine or anything that you could ask for. God's going to burst something through you today, and he's got a purpose for it, because you are God's seed to the world. John 15, 16, we quoted this passage in Pastor's last series. We're talking about what God's called you to, tag and then tag your it. We We quoted this verse, you did not choose me, but I chose you, and I appointed you that you should go and bear fruit, and that your fruit would remain. See, God's the one that has the ultimate dream for you, not you. I mean, there are things that I've dreamed of. When you're a kid, you know, a little boy, you dream about hitting the game-winning Grand Slam home run in the World Series, game seven, bottom of the ninth, two outs, full count. (laughs) Or you dream about running an 85-yard touchdown against Ohio State. (laughs) Look at that. Now that's praise right there. There we go. Oh, you, you dream about stuff that you want to do, but God has a dream for you. And the dream that he has for you is much more fulfilling than you could ever imagine, even for yourself. And the whole purpose of it is to bear fruit for his kingdom, but he needs willing vessels just like Mary was. So let's take a look at the life of Mary, draw some things from her, see what she had to do, and see what it means for us in terms of God's promise for us. The first thing is this, Mary had to conceive God's promise. She had to conceive God's promise. So after the seed of promise was given in Eden, after that promise was made, God, when Mary's on the scene, he's ready to wrap up his Christmas gift and present it to the world. So he comes in human flesh. He comes as a physical expression of God himself because he wants to relate to us. He wants to identify with us. He wants to get down in the middle of our pain, in the middle of what it is to be human, and he wants to express the fullness of God in that context. And he wanted nothing to be in between so that there was no misunderstanding. He didn't want any, somebody else having to represent him. He didn't want people having to experience him secondhand, just hearing stories. He wanted to be here in the flesh with humanity And even when Jesus ascends and gives us the Holy Spirit, we still get to experience him and relate to him. He comes that way because he wants to be with us so intimately. That's what the name Emmanuel means, that God is with us and he wants to be intimately with us. 
And the angel shows up to Mary, and Mary's just a young woman. You know, in that culture, she was somewhere 12, 13, 14, 15 years old, somewhere in there. And he shows up to her, and the angel says, the Holy Spirit will come upon you. The power of the Most High will overshadow you. For that reason, the Holy Child shall be called the Son of God. But God always starts with the seed of the promise, and that's what Gabriel gave Mary, the seed of the promise. And God's seed to us is his word. God's word is a seed. Before Mary ever felt a kick in her womb, she had a word in her heart. That was the seed in her heart to begin with. See, when we ask for miracles, what does God give us? Sometimes miracles come instantly, but a lot of times we ask for miracles, God gives us a word instead. Think about Abraham in the Old Testament. When you think about the father of our faith, Abraham, what happens? God shows up and gives him a word. He doesn't give him a child right away and say, guess what? Sarah's pregnant now. God shows up and says, Abraham, go outside and count the stars. And if you can count all those stars, you'll be able to count as many offspring as I'll give you, but you won't be able to count those stars. That's how many offspring you're going to have. And for 25 years, Abraham had to go back to that word. Abraham had to conceive that promise and he had to hang on to it for 25 years until it finally came to pass. God's seed is his word in our hearts. Think, think about uh, David. David, as a young man, gets anointed to be king, but he's not anointed to be king when he's ready to be king. He's anointed when somebody else is king. And he's got to be thinking to himself, are you kidding me? Saul is king right now, and I, I, I'm supposed to be king? And yet Samuel shows up under the leadership of the Holy Spirit, anoints King David, and says, you are the one who God's chosen to be king. And David had to wait through a whole lot of stuff, a whole lot of mess. David had to wait through Saul still being king, trying to murder him. He's been anointed king. I would be thinking, okay, God, no more anointing for me. If it means people are going to try to murder me, I don't think I want this promise to, to be in my life. But David holds on to the word that is God's promise. He holds on to the seed until it comes to pass. That's the way it works for us. God's word is his seed in our lives. And that's the way it worked in my life. My wife and I uh, got married here. We moved off to Virginia where I was working on a master's degree and we came home. I'll never forget the winter of 1998. It was really snowy, just like this. We we're coming home to visit family and she's driving. We're driving through Pennsylvania, the uh, Pennsylvania Turnpike. Pennsylvania is like driving downhill both ways. No matter what way I'm going, I'm always going downhill. So my wife's driving, it's the middle of the night, and Pennsylvania Turnpike has some beautiful places where you'll come down all, all these hills, and it'll be just, it's like a little, if I can say it again, Hallmark movie town, you know, where they got the little church, has the steeple and all that stuff. And this really is beautiful. It's nighttime, there's a full moon out, it's shining down. Bernadette's driving, I look out the window, and God speaks to me as clearly as a bell. I mean as clearly as a bell and says, you're going to be a pastor, and it's going to be okay. The it's going to be okay part was for her, not for me. So, wow. I thought I was going to finish there, go get my doctorate, go work in a university, whatever. That wasn't God's plan at all. So God gives me this word, but nothing's moving in that direction at all. I, okay, so maybe that's going to be another thing down the road somewhere. And so I go on about my business, get accepted in a couple of doctoral programs. I think I'm going to another place. And... Uh, my wife says, hey, why don't you apply to, a, to someplace in Grand Rapids? I'd really like to be by family again. So I applied for a doctoral program in the area, got accepted, got blessed, great full-ride scholarship, wonderful. 
Uh, so we're going to go in the fall of 2001. So early 2001, I wake up one morning uh, and I'm talking with my wife and I say, you know what? I just got this feeling this year is going to end differently than we think. But I don't know what that means, but it's a really strong feeling in my heart. A few months later, I'm sitting in my office, nice office, looking out the window, thinking about transitioning back up to Michigan to start my program and my phone rings and it's Pastor Tim Ryder on the other end of the phone. Yeah, look at that. You get, all you have to do is call people and you get applause. <laughs> oh, it was his, his voice on, and I'm thinking, real. He said, hey, we're making some changes, moving some things around. What would you think about maybe possibly uh, considering uh, coming on pastoral staff? And I was just laughing to myself like, so this was that seed back there that was like three years earlier that was just lying there, but God was working on it because he had something that he wanted to do because God's word to me was his seed. That's what he's given to you. Let me ask you this. Do you have a word from God? Has he deposited that seed of promise in your heart? And if he hasn't, I believe he's going to today. But some of y'all, he's deposited that word and you've been waiting and forgetting and maybe giving up and in fact, pastor used the word this morning, aborted. Maybe you've just aborted stuff. You've just said, there's nothing that's gonna come to pass from that. What's the word that God has spoken to you? Because just a single word can change your destiny. It did for David, it did for Abraham, it did for so many in scripture, and it does the same thing in our hearts and lives too. We've gotta to conceive God's promise. We've gotta conceive the word from God. And listen, there's a difference between receiving what God says to us and conceiving something. I mean, every Sunday, you get the opportunity to be here and pastors bring in the word and he always brings, like he talks about, a fresh word from the Holy Spirit. Every Sunday, you have that opportunity. But when you come in the doors of this place or you tune in online, are you conceiving something with the word that's being given to you? Or is it just like, or is it just like when you're, you're parenting your little kids and you ask them to do something? You know that those words floated around their ears somewhere. You know that they heard something. I used to say that to my kids. I know that the word went by your ears somewhere, but it didn't go in and produce anything. Vacuum the living room. Which, by the way, did they vacuum the living room this weekend? Family's coming over. We have to have the living room vacuum. But I'm not pulling the fridge out and cleaning under that. So we're not doing that. That best ever. Pastor Brenda's dad is... I'm not going to share every story I got, but I love it. That's the truth, though. The Word has to conceive something in you. Every time you come, are you allowing the Word to conceive something in you, or is it just passing by? Is it just, that was a nice sermon, that was great, oh, that was an interesting Word, but it never really does anything in your heart and in your life. Are you conceiving something with the Word? Because if His Word gets into you, then you will conceive the promise from God, whatever that is, whatever mandate it is, whatever ministry it is, whatever promise it is, whatever person it is you're waiting to see come, whatever prayer you're waiting to have answered, if you will conceive the promise from the Word, it will produce amazing things in you. But listen, I want to encourage you with something. If you're not in this Word first, be careful about listening for other words, okay? which is why it's so important you know, for you to hear what pastor's saying week after week. And not only that, for you to be in the scriptures on your own. See, I've, I've bumped into a lot of people. And listen, some of us in this room have come to Christ a long time ago, but you don't open this up. And you're not really submitted to it. 
Because here's what happens. If you don't read this word and you don't understand how God walked with people before, what his voice sounded like when he spoke to them, the kind of character that he has, the way that he operates, if you don't do that, then you're just open for all kinds of strange and crazy things. And what you presume in your mind becomes a word from God. And then you end up pursuing things God never spoke. And the end result is you're disappointed because God really didn't say something because you didn't know how to hear him because you weren't submitted to this word first. Be submitted to this word first. Because the reality is, I've had people grab me by the shoulders in this church, in this building, pull me close and be like, let me tell you what God told me he's gonna do. And I'm listening to them, but I'm thinking to myself, I know that you're not submitted to this because I see what's going on in your life. I see there's chaos all over the place or there's, you don't have the character to deal with whatever it is you think God wants to give you. You've got to be in this word first. And as you're in this word, then you know how God walked with his people, what his voice sounds like. And when he speaks to you, you're able to receive and discern what's really him and what's not really him. Because he wants to put the seed of his word here in you, but he also speaks even beyond this. But this is the foundation of him speaking beyond it. I mean, that's why we have, if you get that app out, we've got a one-year Bible reading plan. I know we're getting ready to start 2023, and you can jump in and do the one-year Bible reading plan. You know, if you miss a day or whatever, I understand that, but be regularly in the scriptures. Be here in the house hearing the word that God is speaking through your pastor, because the more you get this word into your heart, the more you're going to be ready to hear God speak to you, and he can actually deposit something in your heart. You can actually birth something huge and amazing that will come out of you. And when you get pregnant with the promise that God gives you, it's amazing stuff. You can tell when people are expecting sometimes. You see that glow that expectant moms had. And it's not always a glow. Sometimes it's something else because, you know, you're expecting, you're not feeling very well. I've, those of you that know me, uh, you know, I'm adopted and um, I connected with my birth mom when I was 29 years old. And she had to hide her pregnancy for six months. That's a whole different story in and of itself. But she told me that it was really difficult for her to hide her pregnancy, not because she was showing, but she said, I'd come around the corner and see a trash can. And I think, you know, sometimes that's what pregnancy feels like. You can tell someone's expected. Sometimes there's that holy glow that they kind of have, or just different things that let you know that they're expected. I'll never forget the first time I knew that we, my wife was pregnant for our very first. I will never forget it. 1994, December, uh, I'm watching a football game. I think it was the Kansas City Chiefs. It was great. We're sitting there, I'm watching the game. It's getting toward the end of the game. I think the Chiefs are about to punch it into the end zone. Might have been Chiefs and Raiders, big rivalry. And the running back takes a hand off. He's going into the end zone, fumbles the football. The defense recovers the ball. And I think they had the ability to run out the clock. Crowd is going crazy because they just stopped the Chiefs from scoring the touchdown. And all of a sudden, my wife bursts into tears. And I mean, she is full on crying. And it was hard crying. And I'm looking at her thinking, what are you... The brother fumbled the football. I mean, it's not. Is that not the way it happened? She bursts into tears and she's wailing over there. And I just turned and I looked at her and I said, you're pregnant, aren't you? I turned off that football game. I got in the car. I drove to the store. I got a little test, came home. 
And that brother is 27 years old now, today. She was pregnant, yes. Sometimes you know when someone's pregnant. But listen, when you're pregnant with the promise of God and you're expecting him to do something, it changes the way that you act. You behave a different way. You walk a different way. You talk a different way. Sometimes you do crazy stuff because you know that God's going to do something and you're willing to step out in faith. You'll behave in a different way and people might even think you're a little bit different. You're a little odd. Maybe your emotions are a little bit off or whatever, but you have conceived something of the Holy Spirit, a promise that he wants to work in you and through you. And the rest of the world will know because you've conceived the promise from God. Let his word conceive a promise in your heart in life today. So Mary had to conceive first God's promise. But then the next thing she had to do is she had to understand God's purpose. She had to understand God's purpose. Verse 31 says, Behold, you'll conceive in your womb, give birth to a son, and you shall name him Jesus. So if you've conceived something from the Holy Spirit, what is it? What is it that you're going to give birth to? What are you producing? What is the purpose? What's the purpose of the business, the ministry, the whatever it is? What is the purpose of the thing you're praying for? It better be Jesus. That's the ultimate purpose. Whatever it is that God's calling you to. And listen, can I just say, God isn't calling all y'all to be pastors. Sometimes I think people think if God gives, speaks to me and gives me a promise, it's going to be a big ministry. Actually, some of the biggest ministries are ministries you don't see all the time. It's people who are working in places you don't think they would be working, but they're having an impact you never thought that you could have. What is the thing that God's birthing? What is the idea that he's giving you? Remember when we used to get out uh, those little uh, giving envelopes on the back, Pastor would read, and we'd talk about different things that we wanted. We're asking God for uh, found money. I'll still take that. Uh, checks in the mail whatever, clever inventions and so forth. What kind of clever inventions is God giving you? What kind of business, what kind of ministry could it be? Or what kind of thing is God asking you to pray for? What's the promise he's birthing in your heart and what is its purpose? The purpose needs to be the furtherance of God's kingdom. The purpose needs to be expanding the influence and boundaries of Jesus in the lives of other people. That's what it's all about. But a lot of people don't even understand what their purpose is. They don't. Listen, every Sunday we talk about the grow track. You see that right through that door there. This Sunday today, we're going to be talking about you finding your purpose. And whether it's here or it's online, the grow track on this day, step three, is about finding your purpose. But there are a lot of people who sit in churches week after week don't know what their purpose is. They don't understand that, that God really has a purpose for the promise that he puts in you. Psalm 139, 16 says, you saw me before I was born. Every day of my life was recorded in your book. Every moment was laid out before a single one of them had come to pass. Listen, like I told you, I was a child of a single mom who could not afford a child, and she had to let me be taken off to be adopted by someone else, which was God's plan for me, because he had a purpose. He had a purpose for me. He has a purpose for you, and it's not limited by anything. The purpose isn't, you know, be, because you're popular, God can use you. If you were the, one of the people like me, I wasn't a popular kid in high school. You might think, well, people don't know me. I don't have influence. I don't have whatever. God really can't use. He's got a purpose for you. You might think I've got a learning disability or this thing isn't right about me or whatever. God has a purpose for you and he intended it right from the very beginning when you were in the womb. There is a purpose for you. You might think I was a bad student. Listen, I was not a good student. 
Uh, I was a very average student in high school. There were things I did great. There were other things I did not do so well. I was a very average student when I was doing my bachelor's degree because I was more interested in chasing the girls than I was in doing the schoolwork that I was supposed to do. And those of you that I teach at North Point, shut up about it. <laughs> do your homework and be good students. This is not an excuse for you. But you know what? Here I am this day working on a doctorate, and I never should be doing something like that. But by God's grace, he's worked that through my life. What is your purpose? And do you understand that irrespective of what your background is or what doesn't work right or how you're limited, God has a purpose for you. What is that purpose? And how can you fulfill it? Ephesians 2.10 says we're, <clears throat> we're God's handiwork. As he chokes me to death up here. Created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God prepared in advance for us to do. Doesn't matter what your background is, God's prepared a good work for you. What is that purpose? We are the ones that are supposed to be representing Jesus to the world, and the purpose is that they might come to know him, just like he wants to make his home in our hearts, he wants to do the same with others. That should be the purpose, irrespective of what the promise is. However it works its way out of your life, that's the ultimate goal. Mary understood the purpose of what Jesus was supposed to do. And when you understand the purpose that you have, that's when whatever you're doing makes a difference. Doesn't matter if you're laying brick, you're doing tiles, you're, you're a mechanic, you're a lawyer, you're a doctor, whatever. Doesn't matter what it is. When you understand the purpose and you understand that God wants to work through you, that's when right where you are, we get to see people be healed. That's when people's hearts are impacted. That's when people are changed one-on-one -on -one as you minister right where you are. You've got to understand what God's purpose is. Conceive the promise that he has for you and then understand his purpose, just like Mary did. Here's the third thing she did. She had to obey God's plan. She had to obey God's plan. Verse 38, Mary said, Behold, the Lord's bondservant, May it be done to me according to your word. As she submitted herself to the Holy Spirit, we've got to do the same thing. We've got to submit ourselves in obedience to the Holy Spirit. Some will never give birth to the things that God wants to give birth to in your life because you won't submit to the Holy Spirit. You won't submit to what it is he wants to do in your life. You're not submitted to spiritual authority. You're not submitting yourself to his word. And as a, as a consequence, you may have been given a promise, but you're not producing anything because you're not submitted to what God wants for you. You're not walking in obedience to him. To the degree that you submit to authority, that's the degree that you're going to be released to operate in authority. It's why some churches and believers don't ever fulfill their dreams. They never fulfill what God has for them because they're really not submitting to them. They're really not walking in obedience. I just, some people want a major ministry platform, but you don't come to the house of God but one time a month. You're not submitted to the Holy Spirit. Or you're not, you're not opening up the scriptures. You're not conceiving anything of the word. You're not submitting your life to his authority because it's easy to want the fulfillment of the promise but not walking out the obedience that has to be walked out. That's an easy, it's an easy thing to want, different type of a thing to do. We've got to come to the place where we're in submission to God and his plan. Listen, when I think of submitting to God, we go to the Old Testament and think of Joseph in the Old Testament. Not Joseph and Mary Joseph, but Joseph in the Old Testament. 
And there are ways in which Joseph was submitted to God, and there are other ways in which Joseph was not submitted to God. If you remember the account of Joseph, he's the one that had, it was 12 brothers, Joseph, and that's just dysfunctional on all kinds of levels. To have that many children uh, and different wives, so they had different moms and so forth, and so Joseph is this brother, and he's young, and he has these dreams, and really dreams from God, but he doesn't really know how to handle stuff, and there are things in his life that are not submitted to God, and when you read his story, you see that there's kind of two things going on, the heroic, obedient side of Joseph and the disobedient side of Joseph. So Joseph says to us, by the way, this is a bad idea. If God gives you a great dream, it's a bad idea to gather your family around and say, guess what? I'm going to be large and in charge. Okay. <laughs> this probably shouldn't do that. Uh, my boys like to do that to each other, but it's, they're joking. Uh, so Joseph he has these dreams from God and he gets, he says to his family, look, and I had this dream about the stars and the sun and the moon and you were all bowing down to me. That's, that's bad relational skills right there. So Joseph is all about Joseph and Joseph's household. They were dreams from God, but Joseph was still all about Joseph and his household. And eventually his brothers end up selling him into slavery. That's a whole different kind of weird abusive thing right there. Uh, it, it really... It really was dysfunctional and evil. They sell him into to slavery. He goes off and he lives in someone else's house, Potiphar. God's blessing is still on him, but he's not fully submitted to God. So he's in Potiphar's house, and Potiphar has a wife who's probably interested in a lot of different things, a lot of different people. Potiphar is very busy. He's a man of great power, but his wife wants to sleep with Joseph, and so it's recorded in Scripture that she says, Joseph, my husband's away. Come sleep with me. He will not do it. He runs away from her. She still has his cloak. And while he's standing there, before he runs away, she's like, Joseph, you should sleep with me. Because she's very attracted to him. And Joseph's response was this. It's a mixed response. On the one hand, Joseph obeys because he doesn't, he doesn't sleep with another man's wife. On the other hand, he utters this line in Scripture where he says, there is no one in this household greater than I am. And it's like, Joseph, you were doing so good. And then, oh, because Joseph still isn't fully submitted to God. Joseph then gets sent into prison. And the reason why he's not executed is because Potiphar probably didn't believe his wife, but he's got to do something. So he sends Joseph to prison where Joseph is still doing pretty well because he keeps rising to the top, but he keeps having these moments where he rises to the top and he's not fully submitted and he falls back down. But when he finds himself in the context of prison, he rises to the top again, and then two guys come to him and say, hey, we heard that you can interpret dreams, and now Joseph gets it. And Joseph says, you know, I got nothing. God's the one who interprets dreams. Then God says, okay, now that dream that you had back when you were living in your household, that's going to come to pass because you are fully submitted to my authority. That's what God wants from us, to make his home in us and to grow us such that we submit to his authority and the promise that we have doesn't become something that's just a point of arrogance or pride or something that's an irritant to other people. It doesn't become the thing that we forever talk about that never comes to pass. Instead, we're submitted to God. And as we submit to him, he says, okay, yeah, you're average. Yeah, you don't have it all together, but I can use a person like that. Just like Mary, conceive God's promise. Understand what his purpose is and then obey him, submit to him. That's what Mary does. She says to the angel, how in the world will this be? I, 
I'm not married fully yet. I mean, she was betrothed to Joseph. She's like, I've never been with a man. I can't be pregnant with something, and, but I will obey what you want me to do. Be it unto me according to what you have said. That should be our response to God. When he gives us the promise, there's something in you that he has conceived of a promise that you say, okay, God, don't understand it all. I don't have the connections. I cannot make this come to pass but I thank you for the promise and I'm going to obey you and I'm going to walk in your purpose for me. And here's the fourth thing that Mary had to do. She had to connect with God's people. You know, if you read the account of Mary, you'll know that her, her, her relative Elizabeth was also pregnant a little bit earlier. Elizabeth and her husband were not able to conceive because they were both too old to conceive. And her husband goes in, he's a priest and an angel shows up and says to him, hey, your wife's going to get pregnant and have a child. And he's like, no way. That's really not his exact words, but that's the spirit of his response. No way. And he gets in a place of judgment because Gabriel's like, you didn't believe what I said, but watch this. It's going to come to pass. So Elizabeth and her husband have this amazing scenario where here she is. She's past the age of being able to bear a child, but she does. Then her relative Mary shows up. Now here's Mary. And, and Elizabeth is still expecting. Now here's Mary. They're both expecting. And when Mary walks in the room, the baby inside Elizabeth leaps. And Elizabeth's like a few months ahead of Mary in this whole process. So she understands what Mary's going through. She's walked this journey. She's been through the, what? You're pregnant? No way. What? You? Elizabeth has been through this. And now Mary's going through it. You need to connect with God's people. That's who God sends Mary to is Elizabeth. You don't need to get a promise from God and go to somebody who doesn't have any concept of what it is to walk out a promise from God. You don't get a promise from the Lord and then go tell all of your unbelieving friends or unbelieving relatives or whatever. You go to somebody who's walked the journey that you're walking. That's who you connect with. For those of you in this room that that promise has languished for so long that you've just lost hope and you've been discouraged about it, you need to stay around people who have walked that journey. You need to be around people who've had a promise from God and it took time and it took time and it took time, but eventually it came to pass because those are the people that are gonna infuse your soul with faith. Those are the people that are gonna show you what it's like to walk it out. You need to connect with God's people. You need to connect with his people. In just a moment, we're going to stand and I want to get a chance to pray for you. And I'm going to be praying that, that you really do conceive God's promise. I think there are a lot of people in this room that have, that God's given you a promise. I think that number of people that's been waiting is probably bigger than you could imagine. And I think that some of you really are in a place of deep discouragement. I've just given up on it and it's, it's never going to come to pass. I mentioned Pastor Jack Peppel earlier. Pastor Jack used to tell a story uh, about a family of a mom and her sons, wildest guys ever. There were like three or four of them, just wild as could be. They'd come home from a night of carrying on and drinking and partying, and they would hear their mom praying in her bedroom for each one of them. She prayed and prayed and prayed and prayed. And then she went to be with the Lord. But I really believe that those prayers continue to echo, and I really believe that on the other side, heavenly saints still have an idea what's going on on this side. And so I know that she was aware when one by one, those boys all came to Christ and all became pastors too, from wild, crazy guys to 
pastures. Now, I'm not saying that your promise is going to wait till you're on the other side. But I am saying that if you've got a promise that God has conceived in you and you've been waiting, don't give up. You connect with the right people. God is going to bring it to pass. He's going to bring it to pass.